Good morning. Not sure if you have noticed that we actually took two weeks break from uh, Romans. Um, two weeks ago, even uh, Pastor Evangeline preached from um, on wisdom from uh, on wisdom, and last week Pastor talked about transfiguration. Today I'm picking it up again from uh, Romans. So it's just a quick recap of Romans. Who was it written for? Romans, lah. Okay, the Gentile and the Jewish believers in Rome. Uh, probably about 57, 58 AD. When it was written, um, Rome was actually having a kind of a peace uh, during that time because it was before the persecution. Nevertheless, Paul recognized the need for basic gospel doctrine within this Roman church. And so he wrote this letter. And so here we are, chapter 10, uh, epistle of Romans. And we started reading from verse 5. And at this point, we realized that Paul seemed to be writing about two types of righteousness. Righteousness by law, righteousness by faith. But I'm going to go back a little bit to verse 1, where Paul opens his heart to reveal his desire and prayer for the Jews. Jews who have not accepted Jesus as the Son of God. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Them being the Jews over there who have not received, who have not accepted Jesus as the Son of God. And in Paul's term, they are not saved. For Paul was really part of them. He was a Pharisee and he felt so much for them as well. So he, for, them to, to, for him to realize hey, his friends are, are not coming to this uh, receiving Christ for who he is, I think it must have pained Paul quite a bit. But you might want to take note that these Jews were pious and they were zealous for God uh, through their actions. You think about it, they would circumcise their male children, they would study the law, they were trying to keep the righteousness under the law. Paul was not unfamiliar with these practices, but he had something against their zeal. He noticed that their zeal was not according to knowledge. They could seek to establish a righteousness derived from their own good intentions, their own moral standards, their interpretation of the law. But it seemed that it was largely their own effort. To them, it may seem that with their good and careful system, they did not need God. Of course, they wouldn't admit that they don't need God. Yet we see that they would not submit to God's righteousness because they were ignorant of it. They did not understand that Jesus is the end of the law that the law and the prophets were pointing to Jesus, just as what Pastor showed us last week using this picture, this picture drawn by one of our Singaporean boys. In this, in this simple picture, we see this part. He says, actually not this one, he says that um, the end, the law, the law is done. The prophets are done. Now, listen to Jesus. I wish I could move this thing. I can, right? Okay, okay. Cannot see the TV. Sorry. The law is done. The prophets are done. Now, listen to Jesus. Jesus is the end of the law. What happens is this, that by Jesus' death, he has satisfied the penalty of the law that we deserved. And therefore, when one person believes in Jesus, God puts Jesus' righteousness on him so that this person is now deemed to be perfectly perfect, in, uh, to have perfectly fulfilled the law. And therefore, when Jesus comes and faith comes in, 
Jesus spells the end of the law. So Romans 10.5 is actually Paul quoting from Leviticus 18.5. The person who does the commandments shall live by them. Yeah, you want to follow the law, right? Then you've got to live by them. You see, out of eagerness to help other people keep the law, more traditions were invented to supplement the law in that sense. Take, for example, the, the commandment of keep the Sabbath holy. According to this website, mysela.com.au, the Torah says very little about how exactly Jewish people are supposed to observe Shabbat. But the great rabbis of the Talmudic period have plenty to say. Let's look at those purple words. No cooking, no washing, no sowing, no planting, no reaping, no burning, no extinguishing, no carrying, and the list goes on. Even the Jews knew that it was not possible to keep all of this. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that structures and programs are bad. For one, I agree with read your Bible, pray every day. And I say attend service, attend prayer meetings. Okay. Go, pray, go for care groups. In fact, I thrive on programs and structures. Um, that's the way I, I go well in, and I'm grateful for all these things. However, these things are not the things that will bring about salvation. Let me quote from Toza. Thinking about God and holy things creates a moral climate favorable to the growth of faith, love, humility, and reverence. We cannot, by thinking, regenerate our hearts, nor take our sins, nor change the leopard's spots. Neither can we, by thinking, add one cubit to our stature or make evil good or darkness light. But we can, by spirit-inspired thinking, help to make our minds pure centuries in which God will be pleased to dwell. These things will not bring salvation, but it will prepare us for God. Weren't the Jews trying to be sincere in their faith? Yes, but this is not the righteousness of God that is seeking from his people. God is not seeking for people who would worship the law. God was looking for people who loved him. This is why later part in Deuteronomy 30, Moses actually said that this commandment was not hard to keep. Crazy! All these laws and rules are not easy to keep. But listen, listen to what Moses said. Moses said, you do not have to go, down, go up to the heavens or go beyond to see to bring the word. Because the word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. Can you see that God was not pushing for a righteousness by law? Yes, even at Moses' time, he was already asking for righteousness by faith. God had wanted us to love him. He wanted our hearts, not our hands. The hands, the actions, these are response to his love, not prerequisite. And therefore, when Paul picked it up again in Romans and he used this quote, he, was, he extended the word to Jesus, the word 
is near you, the word is in your mouth and your heart, and it says, Jesus is the word. We don't have to go up to heaven to pull Jesus down because Jesus came in incarnation already. We don't have to go to the sea, across the sea or to the abyss, which is used interchangeably, because when he died, God raised him up from the dead. In short, we do not have to work so hard to obtain this righteousness by faith. How then does righteousness by faith look like? Applying this message to ourselves, let's take a look. Let us be careful to not make the same mistakes of the past. Take a look at this guy. That's King Saul. King Saul, the sacrifice, he was supposed to offer a sacrifice, but not him, Samuel. Prophet Samuel was late in coming, and Saul thought, I'm the king. The sacrifice is urgent. Therefore, let's do the sacrifice. Right act, wrong heart. And in so many ways, our modern society feels that we do not need God. As long as I am successful, as long as I am happy, that will be good enough. What is this notion of sin you are talking about? I shudder to think of a society or a person without God. Conversation with Pastor Evangeline, she was sharing with me about her experience of reading from the book of Proverbs and how it describes a person without God. Just caught the snapshot from Proverbs 14. The simple, the simple mind, that believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but the fool is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. So many things they can talk about, people who are evil. And if this is a society without God, where people do not hold the Bible or God's commandments as the plumb line, we are heading for trouble. Decisions that will be made on financial returns alone is dangerous. Well, I, I bring this proposal. Some people may not agree. I believe a, a Christian worker, if having a choice, can choose a day of rest per week. This is in observance of the Bible's teaching on Sabbath on rest. In fact, this is good for your health, for your relationships, and for faith. We might earn less, but we learn to trust God more. Right now, I'm doing a module in my Bible school on the gospel, poverty, and injustice. And as I listen in this lecture, as we discuss, it shows me my own blindness and my own insensitivity to people who need people who have needs. In fact, it teaches me now that I would be more mindful of this less fortunate and therefore learn to manage resources and opportunities better. People, when we have no fear of God, it is so easy to take advantage of other people's plights. Let me borrow from Tozer again. Obviously, I'm reading his book, okay? <laughs> Tozer again says, there are so many of us who are spiritually lazy Christians. The trouble is that this whole accept Christ attitude is likely to be wrong. It shows Christ applying to us rather than us to him. It makes Christ 
stand there, hat in hand, awaiting our verdict on him, instead of our kneeling with troubled hearts, awaiting his verdict on us. It may even permit us to accept Jesus at no loss to our ego, no inconvenience to our usual way of life. Sometimes we can just think of, sometimes we are so quick to force people to become Christians or to say, just become a Christian, I just come to church, I just do these Christian things and you'll be enough. But we know that that is not exactly what God wants, right? So am I talking about a righteousness by law? No, it's still a righteousness by faith. Because it is in loving Jesus and loving God. Some of, us, some of us may feel that we had a past and therefore are not deserving of God's love and Jesus' sacrifice. Well, I'm reminded of this um, account in the Bible, in the New Testament, this adulterous woman who was brought to Jesus after she was caught in the act. Jesus challenged the one without sin to throw the first stone at her. No one did. In fact, the crowd left the scene. That's when Jesus said, no one has accused you or condemned you, neither will I. Then he followed and said this thing, go and sin no more. He said, go and sin no more after he offered forgiveness to her. Upon repentance and believing in Jesus, forgiveness and righteousness is given. Then, my friends, moral actions are expected. There is a difference between righteousness by law, righteousness by faith, and what we are doing and why we are doing. We do because we love. And we love because God loves. And we, are, we have this righteousness because God is merciful. It's not by your law. It's not, it's not about the righteousness by law. It is really by faith. Because God, because it has been said again, the word is near you, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart. What does that mean? How does that look like? At the same time, there are so many of us, if we are not careful, we can become burnt out in serving the Lord. Like Elijah. He fought battles, spoke the truth, got persecuted, and kept on running. At one time, he was running ahead of the chariots. That was what happened to Elijah. And then he was tired, he, he slept, and God actually fed him. And so Elijah went into a cave. That was when Robin read to us. He went into a cave, and did he approach God? It was God who approached him. God came and asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah ranted and ranted to God. Ah, I've done all these things. Nothing, nothing. I don't see anything. And God protected him and said, go into the cave. He went into the cave. And God, protected, uh, and God said, come, I will show you. Elijah went up for a while, but after that, you realize that he got scared. He went back into the cave. What was he afraid? What did he see? The wind that tore up the rocks and broke it into pieces. There was an earthquake. There was a fire. 
Then there was a whisper. And at this whisper, Elijah noticed and recognized God's voice. He came out of his cave. God is not necessarily always in the big, big. Sometimes we always expect that. But God is in the whisper. And many of us, we may ask many questions. Have I served enough? Have I done enough? Have I given enough? Have I provided enough for my family? Have I studied hard enough for the exams? Oh, yeah, I should not have taken that afternoon nap. The way we beat ourselves up, even when we are serving God. I remember those times when I led worship. After every service, it was a self-critic session. Did I choose the right songs? Was I sensitive to the spirit? Were the congregations singing? I imagine if I go up to heaven and I ask God, God, was that particular worship good? And God would ask me, when you prepare and when you sang, was your heart seeking to, to glorify me? And I say, yes, of course. I say, it's good. Then I said, but people were not singing. And then God looked at me and said, but I've got a host of angels singing. And then I realized my good deeds are not what God is looking for, is it? He was searching for my heart. He was asking for my heart. Check all this stress for nothing. You know, these self-inflicted expectations can be so crazy. Singapore's meritocratic system adds to this stress relentlessly. I'm a teacher, I know. I also drive that sometimes. I'm guilty. Therefore, we must be careful not to be sucked into it. Let's take a pause for a while, especially for those who have been serving so hard and so much. Let us not fall into a spiritual fatigue. If you have been running yourself tired, Take time. Rest. Righteousness does not depend on what we do. It depends on what Christ has done. God is here. He is near us. Salvation is for all who call on his name. Romans 10, 13 tells us that. For everyone who calls on him shall be saved. Therefore, let us know then we can receive this righteousness from God. The word is near us, in our mouths, in our hearts. How would our family and friends know unless we tell them? That was in the later verses 14, 15. How then do we tell them? Then let's come back to the basics that God's way of salvation is not difficult. It is not complicated, but it is not cheap, and it is, it is not taken for to be taken for granted. Yet, it is not a making, it's not our making, for Christ has done the work. I like the way sometimes they explain to us children workers, believing in Jesus, uh, salvation is as simple as A, B, C. A, accept Jesus as Lord. B, believe in him. C, confess that you have believed him. And it is like that. But let us not be so careless about it that after receiving Jesus, we think that there's no need to show a response to his love. Different things. 
when works are not prerequisite, works are our responses. So therefore, ask God to help us that we don't need to earn his salvation, but we want to work out our salvation. Let us pray.